When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Immediate delivery on class-leading Kia vehicles. Tire Power, here to help you stay safe on the road. Breakfast with Andrew Hayes and Bryce Gibbs. I'm better than ever. Yes, good morning. It is Wednesday. Wow, it's the 16th of November. We're just creeping closer and closer to Christmas. And all of a sudden, uh, the Christmas tree is up in the Hayes household because my son Henry thinks that Christmas is just around the corner. It's a long, long way away. Like when you started seeing AFL draft stories three or four weeks ago. The draft is starting to creep up on us as well. Morning to you, Gibbsy. Morning, Hazy. You're spot on. Time's flying at the moment. It just seems the days are just mashing into one and as you said all of a sudden we're uh it's christmas time we've we've already had the the christmas pageant that's uh a sign that uh, it's getting closer and as you said once the christmas pageant happens the christmas tree goes up and then the, the draft happens the kids in the household they just get more excited excited and when is it when is it when mm-hmm. is it they don't quite know that it's still a good six seven weeks away you still got that rule as well at your household the kids don't get present until until the age of 16. <laughs> yeah, no. It's actually not uh, the kids asking when Christmas. It's actually me in the household. <laughs> asking the kids. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? When is it? When, when do we get to stay up? When's the big oh, fella coming? And Dad goes, oh, can we have ice cream for breakfast on Christmas Day? <laughs> yeah. Yes, Dad, we can have we ice can cream. We can do that. A bit of one-off. A uh, big show coming up. Jason put together an absolutely outstanding show once, together, uh, once again. Michelangelo Rucci just after 7 o'clock. Uh, we're going to speak to Matt Clark from the Adelaide Crows, AFLW coach, of course. Big game Friday night taking on the Lions for a spot, yet another spot, in the grand final. The Crows, even even if they get to the grand final, what an absolute ridiculous powerhouse this side is. It's been a nice little dynasty, hasn't it? Oh, my gosh. It's been terrific. What, ridiculous. Uh, Doc Clark's done with this group. Mm. I mean, you can sit there and be like, oh, I know, compare it to the other ones, and say, oh, look, you know, three or four flags, that is an absolute dynasty, of course. But when it's within seven seasons, yeah, yeah yep. um, it hits just a little bit different. Yeah, they certainly uh, they've certainly been terrific over a number of years, our, our Crows girls and oh, don't write them off. They've obviously got a lot of experience at this this time of year at the, at the pointy end. So, will be a tough one up in uh, against Brisbane on the Gold Coast, but uh, I reckon they'll be there a very very good chance. Mm, solid inclusion as well, and Chelsea Randall, the skipper. Yeah, you could say she. She goes all right. She just scrapes in. Goes all right, but in saying that, we've been saying this each and every day. Just keep an eye on things because it's Wednesday. Um, hopefully there isn't some sort of reason that's found to keep Chelsea out of this game. Extra protocol that we don't know about. Yeah. That they'll uh, they'll find to find a way to make her miss, but she'll be back in and she'll have a, a big impact, no doubt. Mm. Uh, McDowell is an assistant coach of the Adelaide 36ers. We'll check in with him just after eight o'clock. And one of the absolute stars of Australian cricket, not just the strikers, uh, but we will be speaking to Talia McGrath on a strikers. Basis just after eight o'clock as well. So big show, get involved. Um, sun's getting up just a little bit earlier as well, it feels like. I've noticed it's that. just that summer vibe that's it starting is. to creep in. It's good. 
and the weather's not absolutely shit house like it's been the last sort of few weeks. So things are looking up. <laughs> yeah. It's only going to improve, and and as you said, it's the the weather. The weather's the one for me. It, it's like spring. You you know you want you want the sun out. You want to smell that freshly cut grass, uh, but it hasn't quite delivered on its uh, on its promise just yet. But mm. it is starting to to get a hint of of that nice weather, warm weather back again. And you know it's that that time of year. A lot of weddings happening. A lot of engagement parties. A lot of birthdays. It's uh, it's becoming a, a good part of the year. Yeah, a big day today as well. I mean, just to give you a bit of an insight into my personal life, I've got the rest of the day off. Nice. And what about this? So my son, Henry, is off to kindy this morning, first thing, 8.30. And then my daughter, who's two, she's at ELC. She goes straight to ELC after we drop off Henry. So 9 o'clock, um, the kids will be gone. And then straight from there, my wife, Cara, will drop off the kids. And then she's going to the dentist. So she's out for a good two hours. So I'm going to get home today at about 9.30 and Lord knows what I'm going to do for the next couple of hours by myself. you got a two-hour gap that uh, you're going to be one out. One out. What will I get up to? What should I do? I've got oh, two hours by myself. Geez. The world is your absolute oyster. It, it is my oyster. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to sit down there, get every all the essentials, get them all there, and just jump on the couch, lay back, and just watch KO. Just waste two hours. <laughs> Absolutely just waste it. Well, that's not Flick wasted. Flick it on, Because uh, the time to get two, three hours by yourself, it, it just sort of, once you have kids, it sort of doesn't happen too often, does it, these yeah. days? Do you know what I do? And at any stage as well, now that I'm a certified dad, doesn't matter what time it is, sit on the couch for five minutes, bang, you're asleep. <laughs> you're bang. Straight out. Straight out. Oh, you're there already, are you? <laughs> oh, yeah. I've fallen asleep on the couch every night this week. Have you? What happens? You turn, you, you go past 35 and you, I think there is some sort of certificate that you get which said, well, now you have kids. You are an absolute serial sleep, fall asleep on the coucher. Well, I'm not quite at 35 yet, so maybe that's probably why I haven't experienced as much as you have. Right, I mean, it's, it's any couch as well. You give me the most uncomfortable couch <laughs> on the planet. If I sit down there for two minutes plus, bang, out. And then and recline back as well, so the head's tilted back. Yeah. And then there's got to be the moment where you wake up after 20 or 30 minutes, you go... Yeah. And you feel like you've been asleep for eight hours. You've got the uh, the drool coming out the mouth. You're trying to catch flies. Yep. 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 And then the kids will get to the stage in a few years where they'll go, Dad, just go to bed. And I'll go, I'm not asleep. And clearly I'm asleep because there's dribble coming out the side. <laughs> yeah, you're done. Yeah. It's all happening. Oh, very good. Um, what about, uh, we're talking about marathon runners, and we always talk about at some stage, Kane Corn's efforts, particularly the New York Marathon, two hours, 27 minutes, ridiculous. Um, what about this bloke who is a Chinese marathon runner? who just completed the Chinese marathon smoking cigarettes with a time of three hours and 28 minutes and 45 seconds. He's a 50-year-old man from Gangzhou, I think it's uh, pronounced, and his nickname is Uncle Chang. So what happens is this bloke is renowned for the whole time running a marathon whilst smoking cigarettes. <laughs> It's a sight to be seen. So he recently completed the, I think it's Xin Ang Zhang Marathon in Jiande. That's, they're all wrong, those pronunciations. So I'm just reading and going for it and trying to say it with confidence. This is in China. While smoking throughout the 42-kilometer endurance event, it's quite unbelievable to see. It's quite confronting. Photos of this man went viral. He finished 574th in the race overall with an impressive time of 3 hours 28.45 out of nearly 1,500 runners. The Chinese sensation has a history of smoking while running. Um, so there's been reports that he ran both the 2018 marathon and the 2019 
Zyman Marathon while lighting up. In 2018, he clocked a time of 3 hours 36 and ran 3.32 in 2019. There's also evidence online that he runs ultra marathons too, with one spanning 50 kilometres and another lasting 12 hours. He's also apparently become known as the smoking brother in running circles after a 2017 event in Hangzhou City. Reactions to the incredible athlete have been mixed, with some people saluting his abilities, while others think he sets a bad example. Uh, this Instagram user said, there goes my hero. Watch him as he smokes. <laughs> That's good. And another one, which is what I was thinking as well. Imagine being stuck behind him the whole race. <laughs> Just copping the the smoke. Oh, that, that's un- unbelievable. Yeah. So you think when you, you're you running, especially long distance, you want to get in some sort of rhythm, don't you? And you just want to get in the zone and, and just head down. Like, so he he's running and pulling out another dart, yep. lighting it up, putting it back in, Spot on. smoking it as he goes. Mm, so apparently he smokes the whole time. Does it, a, say, does it say how many he goes through? No, it doesn't. I'm trying sake. to find that, that information, but... Where's, um, how's he holding on to all these packets? Well, I don't know. He's obviously... Well, they're in his pocket. <laughs> they're clearly in his pocket, so he's got full pockets, and obviously he's got the uh, running shorts with the zips on it. You've got the iPhone on one side, and you've got the smokes on the other, and probably the lighter in the back pocket. It's unbelievable, Saints. But, oh, goodness me. So if that doesn't give you motivation as well... So when I run... That's, that's superhuman lungs. Yeah. Oh, it's lungs are like, what are you doing? This is so confusing. Are you, are you good or bad? Are you good for fitness or are you bad for fitness? It's really confusing. So when I'm running as well, and I'm not going at a frantic pace, I'm going probably half the pace of Cane Corns goes. Sometimes, and I feel like there's actually not that many smokers left out there, or not as much as they used to when I was growing up. Uh, I... I don't know about that. We smoke darts at home. Oh, yeah, flat out. For a big day, you get a little <laughs> yeah. dart in the back of your ear right now, ready I, to go. I think that's why I'm an average runner. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> too many. That makes sense. Too many, uh, too many Imagine darts. being as bad as Bryce Gibbs at running and not smoking. <laughs> yeah, I don't have the excuse. <laughs> but if I'm running and you just get a, a whiff of smoke, oh, it almost makes you stop. Yeah. It makes you want to put, vomit. Put you straight off. Imagine smoking a cigarette whilst running a marathon. I have a goal to run a marathon in my life at some stage. Throw cigarettes into that mix. It feels almost impossible. Do you reckon it makes him go through the cigarettes quicker too because he's puffing more frequently (laughs) as he's running? (laughs) Almost like it would be triple. He'd go through it triple the time (laughs) the further he gets. It's true. Well, the the photos that I've seen is one of him running with a cigarette in his mouth. So that would be tough because it's... <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. But then there's another one with the cigarette in his fingers. Okay. So he's carrying it along. Yeah. Oh, it's unbelievable. And in no way are we endorsing the smoking of cigarettes. No, we're not. Just don't do it. And either running while... Yeah, I agree. back a dart. I well. agree. Don't run either. No. <laughs> <laughs> that that cannot be saying. good for you. Don't, don't run as well. Oh, goodness me. All right, text line. Busy this morning already. 0427 154 166. Oh, Peter Malinowski's got himself in a bit of trouble. This is unbelievable. Who would have thought? Innocent mistake, wasn't it? It was a very, very innocent mistake. I thought he was talking about food. And Pillips, well, I thought he was talking about food so as well. So did I. So because this is, in, um, this is in public interest, we're allowed to talk about this. And absolutely, we can tell you 100%, it was an untoward situation. Like it was a, it was not, it, it wasn't, um, it's a word I'm looking for. It's a pretty simple word, but he wasn't trying, he wasn't pointing it in a, um, 
Oh, my goodness me. He wasn't trying to say bad things, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, Let me just dumb that right down. Derogatory way. He wasn't directing it in a derogatory way or anything like that. So this particular comment as well was trying to have a bit of fun with our, our boy across uh, the state, and that is uh, Dom Perrottet. The objective was to get it here first. You know, we wanted to be first. I didn't want anyone else's sloppy seconds, particularly Sydney's. Yeah, and we all had a bit of a laugh, didn't we? Yeah, we did. I had a bit of a laugh. Gil McLaughlin was in the background. He definitely laughed. A little cheeky smile on his face. He thought it was funny. Premier Peter Malinowskis has apologised for declaring, I don't want anyone else's sloppy seconds during the press conference, which was held a few days ago. He claimed he believed the phrase was in reference to sloppy leftover food on a plate and will avoid using it in the future. He had to apologise. Given the fact that I didn't know what it meant and the fact that I did say it in that context, of course I regret it and that, for that I'm apologetic. The SA opposition and the Greens joined forces to call out the unacceptable sexist comment which refers to a person having intercourse uh, with someone else after they've had intercourse with someone else. So I thought it was about food as well, to be absolutely honest with you. So, Mally made the comment in reference to securing the AFL's magic round over New South Wales. Opposition spokesman, spokeswoman, uh, full women, Michelle Lensick, said such comments were unacceptable. This type of behaviour needs to be called out for what it is. Unacceptable gutter talk, the type of language Peter Manasks might use in the footy change rooms with the boys. Green's MLC, Tammy Franks, agreed the comment was inappropriate and offensive and he should apologise. The term applies to all sorts of things which we didn't know the meaning of, apparently. He said it was an error of judgment either way. Um, I'm, I'm telling you right now, the good things that Peter Malinowskis is doing, he can't be undone through a slip of the tongue. So keep trying, opposition, and keep trying, Greens leaders. <laughs> yeah. Keep digging, and you'll find nothing that can you use of substance. Oh, you're spot on. And I didn't know what the meaning meant either. No tickets to the Adelaide 500 for you guys as well. <laughs> yeah. You're going after our boy. Exactly. No, he's doing uh, so many good things at the moment. And when, when you're on the top of your game and you're going well and everything's rosy, people are just looking to cut you down, Hazy. Mm, I'll tell you what. And sometimes as well, you just talk and there's a slip of the tongue and all of a sudden you're saying words that don't make sense. <laughs> yes. To look after your tyre safety on and off the road, get the tyre of expert advice at Tyre Power. Complaints come through thick and fast from Tyre Power. All I heard was tyres in that. Mm. And then what did we say yesterday when we uh, we had a call late? He's got a head on his shoulder. <laughs> what did you say? Sort of mixed your words up. No, I said uh, <laughs> he's got his head screwed on. He's definitely got his head. No, he's got, he's got his head screwed on. Which I, I said he, he's got a good head on his shoulders, meaning... He's got a good head on his shoulders. <laughs> he's a good looking man. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Sometimes you just mix up your words and you put do. them in the wrong spots. But, you know, yeah. We're all learning. Mm. We're all learning. We live and we learn through our experiences. That's what happened to Peter Malinowski. And our mistakes. In the, like right in the midst of announcing something that was so good for South Australia. Wasn't it? Yeah, it certainly was. So, yeah. Uh, let's just um, hold fire on trying to bring down someone who's doing outrageously good things for this state. For God's sake. 6.15. On 1629 SNSA. Uh, big support as well for our good friends at Weeks. Uh, we'll get around the guys there, discover a better way to build Weeks homes, discover different. And Tire Power, the great race sale, is on right now. Um, and Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrances. This Christmas, top of 19 across Adelaide today, it'll be cloudy. Montan Kia at Cheltenham and Mount Barker for immediate delivery on class leading Kia vehicles. 
Tire Power, here to help you stay safe on the road. Breakfast with Andrew Hayes and Bryce Gibbs. I'm better than ever I'm looking at you. It's three minutes past the six o'clock, top of 19 across Adelaide today. And we're coming to you live from SCNSA Studio Lumo, 1 King William Street, powered by Lumo Energy SA. Eddie McGuire, who every time Eddie says something, people will listen. So whether you like Eddie or not, um, when he has something to say, a lot of the time it makes a whole lot of sense. And he's a powerful man in this landscape. He has suggested that uh, the MCG should keep up with the rest of the world with these big stadiums and get a roof. Thoughts on this? The G. The G. So... Which, I mean, when you break it into two seasons, makes a whole lot of sense. I'd be more than happy. Uh, and we'd love to take get your thoughts on this via the text line. Ken gives a call as well, of course. But firstly, the text line 0427 um, to get online and get, have a chat with us. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. So you break it into two seasons. More than happy that if it had a roof and it was permanently open for the football season, because it's, it's elements. You're going to play no matter what. Still going to play. There's still going to be a game, and that's what comes with Victoria. That's what comes with sometimes during the football season. But if there was a roof and you were guaranteed cricket, no matter what, all for that, who's going to argue against the possibility of there being a roof um, and the MCG test, the Boxing Day test, would 100% be guaranteed to go ahead every single year? Hang on. So get. Let me get this right. You're saying you'd want to keep it open for the winter season and really only close it when the weather's bad in summer. Yes. It'd be very picky and choosy. Because <laughs> I've, no, I've got no issue with the elements playing a part in football because that's part of the game. Well, then what's the point having a roof on a stadium if it's you're not going to use it to help with the weather? Well, I'm purely thinking of a cricket perspective. Okay. Because obviously when it rains in cricket, if it's too much rain, it's gone. And you, the, the thought of losing a couple of days or any time at all for a Boxing Day test is just, it just fires you up. So you, you want to put a roof on the MCG for one cricket game a year to make sure, to guarantee that it goes ahead. Pretty much. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. So this is Eddie Maguire. This is what he's... Uh, is that what Eddie's saying or that, is this is what you're no, saying? No, no, Eddie, Eddie has suggested... He would want to have it he would want to have a open roof. for the winter months. Hey, don't go after footy. me, Bryce. I'm just asking Don't go after me, Andrew. mate. I'm just uh, throwing in my two cents of Eddie's uh, idea. Okay. First of all, a roof on the MCG. Could you see it happening? And broadly then, what about a roof on the MCG uh, for football and for cricket? Uh, I can't see it, no. No? Nah. Okay. That's so just my immediate thought. The idea we've being... Already got, we've already got a stadium with a roof on it. We probably don't need another one. Yeah, but... I, I, I understand. I'm, I'm thinking more from a, a football point of view, but from a cricket perspective... Uh, they don't have any roofs on stadiums in England where cricket's pretty prominent. Mm. And it's very frustrating when you miss test cricket because of the weather. Yeah, but that's all a part of it as well, isn't it? Yeah, but they're not 90,000 uh, seat stadiums as well but in England. So what? they're not these big, giant stadiums where, you know, they're almost like some of these super dome type setups. That's what the G could be. And obviously it would be an unbelievable mission to put a roof on yeah, it. Yeah, it would. And like, it's obviously doable. It, it happens all over the world. You see some of those NFL stadiums. Yeah. That, uh, and that's what he's talking about. That's to put it in that sort of bracket where, yeah, they're, they're sort of, ni- they're probably 90,000 seat minimum stadiums that you'd put a roof yeah. on. I, d- I just think for the sake of, if you're talking purely cricket, like the Boxing Day test obviously gets packed out and it's it's only usually full the first day or two. 
anyway, depending on results, you know, the, if it goes to three, four, five days, you're not you're not having a hundred thousand people there by the end of the test match. But outside of that test, what other big cricket matches pull that sort of crowd? There's probably not too many. The, I suppose the only other thing that you could you could use it for is, is concerts and things like that. Mm. Having a big having the stadium to, to fill that for to attract you know, more popular artists and that sort of thing, I suppose. Yep, possibly. Um, here is Eddie McGuire. And we should be looking at, at even putting a roof on the MCG or at least a sliding roof over the top of it. See, I don't, I'm, I don't, uh, I don't have an issue at all, particularly if it's a sliding roof. It's a big project. How, how do you shut it then if it's, if it's not a sliding roof? A fold, you'd need a folding roof. No, as in like it not being a permanent roof. Ah, so... Okay. Do you know what I mean? So that's what Marvel Stadium is as well. It sort of slides over, meets yeah. in the middle. Okay. So that's what it would be. All right. Mm. Um, yeah, in, interesting thoughts, Eddie Maguire. I uh, don't know about it. I just, uh, yeah, I just don't think it'll it'll happen. Mm. All right. Love to get your thoughts. Oh four two seven one five four one double six. Could you see the MCG getting a little roof, uh, particularly to save some crickets? Be all for it. But anyway, it's not going to be um, it's not going to be a weekend job either. <laughs> it would be quite so. an expensive operation. Yeah. Six twenty six on sixteen twenty nine SENSA. Uh, doing it this morning, uh, thanks to Kemp's Warehouse, Real House of Fragrances this Christmas. And a big shout-out to Morn Team, Morn Team Ford as well. That's where you go to find the V6 Ranger right up in there in Mount Barker. Top of 19 across Adelaide today. And Kia at Cheltenham and Mount Barker for immediate delivery on class-leading Kia vehicles. Tire Power, here to help you stay safe on the road. Breakfast with Andrew Hayes and Bryce Gibbs. I'm better than ever. 1-300-736-736, that is the number. To get in touch throughout the show, can do that all the way up until 8.30. Time now to speak to one of our favourites. Good morning, Annie. Good morning, boys. How are you doing? Going very well. What's on your mind? You want to talk about this MCG roof situation? Yeah, look, I've got a lot of love and respect for Eddie, except when it comes to Port Adelaide wearing the prison bars. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm a bit with Gibbsy on this one, actually, because the MCG has always been, well, obviously has never had a roof, so whatever the weather does on grand final day or during the year, um, it is what it is. But my thought is, if um, you know, especially with the bit of the betting scandal at the moment, what would happen is if um, you know they, I don't bet, so I don't know super much about it. But um, you know, it's forecast for a fine day, and you know, it's two teams playing, whatever, and then all of a sudden, the heavens open up, and you know, I just think it could be a bit. Um, from that perspective, and then all, but as far as cricket goes, I, I kind of think it would be good for that. So, I mean, you can't. Have, I realise you can't have one and not the other. Yeah. So, but I'm, I'm a bit with Gibbsy here. Bit of support there for Bryce Gibbs. Who would have thought? Thanks, Annie. Appreciate that. <laughs> good stuff, Annie. Great call. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. If you want to jump on board, just like Annie, please do so. Otherwise, text line oh four two seven one five four one double six. Uh, just uh, some more text coming through in regards to that. Which what happens when you need to close a roof? Do you switch to a pink ball, which does a lot more than a red ball? This is a text. Do they switch to colours and use a white ball? 
any left field ideas are just silly. We have one stadium with a roof, which they put the wrong way. So yeah. when it's open, the sun is in your face, not a fan. Yeah, that makes yeah, a great a point. It's <laughs> a very good point. And you remember all the uh, the issues they had with the turf too, like trying to sun it. Yeah, because mm. it, uh, it was built the wrong way or on the wrong angle, and the grass couldn't quite get uh, the sunlight it needed. Yeah, and it died. So look, it's part of a, a billion dollar project. Um, and look. Yeah, sure. It's not exactly pocket money. It's not uh, loose change for most of us, but it would more so be. I mean, I'd I'd be happy for there be a, to be a roof in genuine um, situations where it, it's the last resort. For example, um, Eddie used it that they, in his words, exactly, they were a bee's diaphragm away from getting a non-result for the T Twenty Cricket World Cup. It wasn't supposed to play out like it did. It was supposed to be. There were supposed to be thunderstorms and all sorts of things, and it would have gone to the reserve day, and then there would have been a non-result, and then they would have shared the T20 World Cup. What a disaster that would have been. So that's a time when the roof, if it was raining like it was supposed to, would have played in beautifully. Yeah, again, and you just, what'd you say? Multi-billion dollar or million dollar... Billion. Billion dollar project. A billy. And if you're just going to save it for a World Cup, which we have every once every 10 or 15 years or whatever it is, like... I just don't think it's necessary. Mm. Okay. That's Get, just me. Yeah, there you go. In your humble opinion. Me and Annie are together, so it's all right. <laughs> you got a She'll little team, little team brewing already. Oh four two seven one five four one double six. Morning, boys. Dave here. Birthday today. Wouldn't start it any other way than flicking on my SEN app and tuning in. Good on you, Dave. Atta Happy boy, birthday. Dave. Happy birthday. HBD. Um, send us another text, Dave. How, um, how old are you? And what's the plan today? How are you spending it? It's Wednesday. We're getting close to the weekend. You know what that means? A little birthday beer. Time to live your life. Time to live your life. Start thinking about those two days on the weekend. 6.35 on 16.29 SENSA. Let's jump into the news. Montan Kia at Cheltenham and Mount Barker for immediate delivery on class-leading Kia vehicles. Tyre Power, here to help you stay safe on the road. Breakfast with Andrew Hayes and Bryce Gibbs. I'm better than that man. on 1629 SNSA, top of 19 degrees across Adelaide today. Time now to get stuck into our sports updates. We'll start with some tennis. Tennis champ Novak Djokovic will reportedly be allowed to compete in the 2023 Australian Open after authorities decided to overturn his three-year ban and grant him a visa. Well, sense has prevailed. Wow. Who would have thought? I can't believe he's allowed to come in here unvaccinated. He should be in jail. I'm just ban. joking. Obviously, he, I'm taking the I piss at the forgot, highest order. Forgot he had a three-year ban. No, oh, no. I thought it was just a one-off. <laughs> a three-year ban. Oh my god! Isn't it funny now? Right now, we look back at this whole situation and go, "Wow, they isn't were it just ridiculous?" Taking the absolute bee's diaphragm in uh, in that situation. They were they? taking an absolute Eddie Maguire. bee's diaphragm. So in January, the Serbian's visa was cancelled as he tried to enter the country ahead of the 2022 Australian Open just hours after touting his exemption permission on Instagram. The nine-time Aussie Open champ copped a three-year ban following the ordeal, but the Albanese government has overturned the sanction according to multiple reports. Current Immigration Minister Andrew Giles is expected to grant Djokovic a visa, allowing the world number eight to compete at this summer's Australian Open. So there you go. You want the best players in the world competing? And now when we think about what was in place, restrictions and all sorts of things, of course, hindsight's a wonderful thing. But yes, this isn't. This shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that he's allowed in. No, not at all. And I mean, the whole COVID situation was, it, it obviously needed to be have rules and regulations in place, but how quickly 
since we got through that period, how quick did everything just drop off in terms mm. of rules and regulations and what you can and can't do and masks and social distancing and, you know, going to work. If you, you know, it just... i got COVID right now. It's com- it's and we were kissing com- just before. completely different. I don't care. You don't care. We're all friends here. Yeah. I had COVID. I've had COVID for the last two weeks and I still went as we usually do. I came here, got here at 5.30 in the morning, gave you a big kiss on the forehead and here we are. <laughs> no here we issue. go again. <laughs> um, take us through what's happening in the tennis uh, side of things. A bit of tennis going on. So South Australia is set to host a two-week festival of tennis with the confirmation Adelaide will host back-to-back Adelaide Internationals, combined WTA 500 and ATB 250 tournaments. I hope I got that right. Mm-hmm. Between the first to the 14th of January in 2023. World-class tennis will return to the drive when the first combined tournament is hosted from Sunday 1 to Sunday 8th of January, followed by the second combined tournament from Monday 9th to Saturday the 14th of January. Tickets to the two-week Festival of Tennis are on sale now with the player field set to be revealed in in early December. There you go. It's all happening. So there's your tennis fix from a South Australian perspective. We are just... Hosting that much sport, a big time sport as well. I mean, just open up your calendars. Just keep ticking boxes, don't we? And then lock it all Sports in. Sports here in SA. We'll stay on tennis. Nick Kyrgios and the Nasi Kokonakis have lost their ATP Tours final opener. The Wimbledon finalist admitted the only training he did with Kokonakis was in the hour before their match against world number pair um, Neil Scoopsy and Wesley Kulhoff. Uh, the Aussies pushed the Dutch and English top seeds all the way in the tight 6 7, 6 4. Uh, loss, but must now win their final two matches to be certain of a spot in the semifinals. And I've said this for a long time in terms of preparation. Um, it's too late to prepare for something big an hour before it happens. It's just not enough time. Oh, man, you can do it. Could we? Yeah. Th- think on your feet. And... Well, what are we preparing for? We're not preparing for a marathon because you can't even get through a 2K or at South Adelaide. And I don't smoke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, nah, we're, yeah. They'll be right. They'll be fine. They've got a couple of chances to get it done. Yeah. They're a good team. They're a good team. SA Redbacks may be struggling in the Sheffield Shield competition, but their fortunes are different than the Marsh Cup one-day competition. The Redbacks today head back to the scene of the weekend's Shield crime, the Wacker, to take on the top side, WA, and would take the um, Redbacks to the top of the table with two more matches to play. However, they'll not be at full strength, of course. Travis Head, Alex Carey are back in Adelaide preparing for Thursday's first ODI against England. And Jordan Buckingham was injured in the Shield Clash over the weekend. Only the top two teams on the ladder qualify for the one-off Marsh Cup final. The comp goes on a two-month-long hiatus after this clash with the Redbacks' next scheduled match, not until mid-February. Jeez, we'd love to win this. It'd be against all odds, but it would be big time for the Redbacks. Well, we are playing well in this in this uh, type of tournament. We are, this, but um, this, uh... you've got two of the best players in the country not playing. That hurts. Yeah, it does, but... You know, they, they'd want to respond after their Shield match over the way, oh, over the last few days. Mm-hmm. They got absolutely smoked. They did get smoked. What better way to respond? Come out and have a win against a very good side. And not the fun-smoking type, like when you're chaining durries over a 42-kilometre no, marathon. Like not, not that. On the smoking. wrong end of a smoking. Yeah. Mm. Ah, well... Uh, T20 World Cup champion Moeen Ali has blasted cricket administrators for the England team's horrible schedule, which robbed the players of a chance to celebrate their historic triumph. On Sunday evening, England defeated Pakistan to become the first men's team to simultaneously possess the ODI T20 World Cup trophies. It was epic. But less than 24 hours later, several of England's white ball players were boarding a plane to Adelaide 
ahead of the one-day series against Australia. Ali uh, lamented that England's players would not have had time to process the victory and get absolutely shit-faced. I made that last bit up. But is that what he's saying? I think that's exactly what he's saying. But does he need more time to have a proper crack at celebrations? Is he involved in the ODI series? Um, Probably. Because he he wouldn't be whinging if he he was, I suppose, was he? And so, I mean, if it went the other way, if it was Australia in the final and they won, would we be getting complaints from Australian players? We don't have enough time to soak up the victory, as they say. We might just we might have just dropped the first first ODI against England because mm. we'd probably be celebrating too much. Yeah, I mean, it might have been better for Glenn Maxwell's health health if they did play <laughs> in the final. <laughs> might have a broken leg right now. Um, yeah. Oh well, shouldn't have won it. <laughs> there you go. Cop that, England. Let's get in, into our footy shorts. I see it, but I don't believe it. There is a pig. At full forward. Stevie Mobloff, what a time! Oh! He is floating on air now! Simon! Few prominent voices have voiced their opinions in terms of who and where and how the Brownlow medal should be decided. We'll do that just after 7 o'clock. We'd love your thoughts, 0427 154 166. Um, let's start footy shorts with this, though. North Melbourne and Fremantle have executed a picks trade before the window for swapping selections closed on Tuesday. On the final day, clubs were able to trade draft picks. Before the November 28-29 draft, the Roos swapped pick 43 to the Dockers for a future fourth-round selection tied to Hawthorne. The Roos will select father-son Cooper Harvey with their last selection in the national draft, so we're looking to push out their final pick in the draft until later on and in the process grab another future selection. Whilst no more pick swaps can be conducted until draft day, there is also a strong chance that North will look to trade out pick 40 with the Brisbane Lions, the most likely suitor. Um, you know your dad's had a pretty good career when, if they say, if you have half the career that your dad had, yeah. you're still going to be an unbelievable player. So if you play half the games your dad played, you're still going to play over 200 games. <laughs> and you're still going to be multiple All-Australian and multiple Best and Ferris winner. Yeah. It's not bad. It's a pretty good resume, isn't it? Mm. Old, uh, old Boomer Harvey and... Uh, yeah, they're uh, obviously getting enough points in the bank to uh, to acquire the father-son there. Um, so if they can pick-swap up until now and then they can live pick-swap in the draft, why have a period where you can't do it now for a couple of weeks? That's a great point. Does that make sense? Why wouldn't they just keep going through? Like, well, well, What would it matter? Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I'm just uh, thinking out loud. Thinking out loud. You're throwing me under the bus. That's what you're doing. <laughs> That's a good question. If you know the answer to that, uh, if you've got any ideas, because a lot of the draft, the pick swaps, the point system, it can be very, very confusing to say the least. It's not like the good old days where here's your pick, pick someone. No. There's a lot more into it now, isn't there? There certainly is. Mm. That's all i got for you. 0427 154 166, if you can help us out with that one. The AFL is expected to open the 2023 home and away season by reverting to the Carlton v Richmond blockbuster on Thursday night after a one-season experiment with a game between the previous year's grand finalists. I love that too, by the way. AFL sources confirmed that the league intended to revert to beginning the men's season with the Carlton-Richmond game, which consistently draws a hefty crowd rather than uh, pitting Geelong and Sydney against each other as the 2022 grand finalists. So... Uh, Gil McLaughlin mentioned all these things the other day when he did his press conference. The thing about it as well is if it is the grand finalists, it's not fair to have it anywhere else bar their home ground, whoever wins. So it would be Sydney v Geelong. 
GMHBA is not ready. Yep. So that would probably be at the G as well. So it makes sense to go back to the original format. So is that, so we're not, it still could happen in the future. What could happen in the future? Two grand finalists playing round one. Which I love that as well. First game of the year. I think that's good. You like that? Yeah, I like that. Particularly when, um, it's good in recent, it's been good in recent years because Richmond's been such a powerhouse and Carlton have been building for the last 200 years. But if Richmond, I mean, who knows what they're capable of this year, but I mean, right now, I don't think people are putting them in the same category as Geelong and some of these other sides, maybe, saying that they've recruited well. I'm not having a crack at anyone who supports Richmond. Um, and Carlton, God, who knows what they can achieve. Can they make the eight? Also, they could come 20th. It's impossible, but Carlton could come 20th. Well, I'm not going to declare them like I did. No, oh, gosh. When they were that. absolutely flying, and I've declared them for the flag, and yeah. that was. Uh, you predicted the beginning of a dynasty. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was the beginning of the end after those, uh, my comments yeah. about Carlton. They could lose an internal trial. <laughs> They're capable of that. They really put their mind to it. South Adelaide would have uh, given a touch up <laughs> in, that, uh, in that period. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no problems with Carlton Richmond going back. Your thoughts, though, 0427 154 166. Uh, and the AFL has announced that Season 7 W Awards will be on Tuesday, 22nd of November at 7.30. That's Eastern Time, held at the Crown Palladium and broadcast live on Fox Footy. Um, so there you go. In terms of some of the um, front runners, Ann Hatchard could get another All-Australian Guernsey. Um, also, Chelsea Randall's in the squad as well. Ebony Marinoff. Ebony Marinoff. There's been a few. Oh, the consistent ones. They the consistent ones. Have good years, year in, year out. And look at all those girls as well. When you start looking at their careers and what they're putting together. They're all sort of edging towards some of the great players that have played in this competition. Outstanding stuff. Um, New Kilda coach Ross Lyon is set to have a f- near full list on the track across the first block of preseason, but defender Josh Battle is facing a delayed start after off-season ankle surgery. So he's 24. He went under the knife following a career-best season in 2022. He was very good where he finished 10th in the best and fairest after a permanent move down back. Jack Hayes is also on the comeback, comeback trail rather from a knee reconstruction after the preseason supplemental selection period tore his ACL against GWS in April. I'm looking forward to seeing Jack Hayes get stuck back in. I love as well that the Saints went, you know what, we're going to back you in and we're going to back you in properly. Here's a two-year deal. You've got time to recover and you've got time to find yourself again after you recover. Yeah, and we can only hope that uh, Ross Lyon you know, rates him as, as high as Brett Ratton did because I think... He did get that contract extension off uh, Brett Ratton rating him pretty highly. So things can change, unfortunately. When uh, when a new coach comes in, they, they see things a little bit differently and, and have different um, you know, expectations on players, I suppose. So hopefully for Jack's sake that uh, he's good to go and can get a good uh, pre-season under his belt to uh, impress Ross Lyon. But I reckon if there's one coach that you want to come back in good nick for and it's hit Ross. the ground running for pre-season, it'd be Ross Lyon. It's Ross. You so do not want to get on off on the wrong foot with Ross Lyon. good friend of mine is Lee Spur, yep. who played over at the Dockers when Ross was there. And that was one of the first things he would say. If you, if you, if you couldn't run, particularly during pre-season, you weren't a good runner. You were almost, you started so far back in terms of the pecking order. Like that's first and foremost with Ross Lyon. You need to be a very good athlete which helped him incredibly. But I think did he use even, might have been Nick Lower, who was over there in the season before, had a great season, was very, very good and was absolutely locked in. And then, But traditionally wasn't a great runner, particularly in the pre-season runs. And then Ross turned up and 
mean, you hear stories all the time of new coaches coming in and players who were getting a game and the coach just saying, oh, not really sure. Caleb Poulter is probably a great example from Collingwood. Played 11 games in his first season. Uh, Craig McRae comes in and he can't get a look at it. Craig McRae had a fantastic first season, but suits some players, doesn't suit others. You would have seen a fair bit of that happen as well at Carlton. Yep, certainly. And probably even, I reckon that might have had a little bit to do with, with my situation at the Crows. Uh, I traditionally haven't been a, a good runner, a time trialer. Um, and, you know, when you've got high expectations uh, and coming in as a, as a high-profile player um, and you're... And you're towards the back in uh, some of the running groups. It doesn't uh, can put you off on a on a bit of a, a bad or yeah, bit of a bad note to start mm. with. So yeah, I can certainly understand that. Um, but uh, yeah, Ross he uh, he's going to come in pretty hard and set his uh, set his sights and stamp his authority early days. I think with this group because he doesn't want to waste any time in, in getting them back up the ladder. Didn't help us well when you turned up to our Crows process and training with your guts almost touching your ankles. Yeah, that's what happens when uh, you get married and mm. in the off season and uh, enjoy the festivities a little bit too much. Beautiful Andrew. hair, though. Always come back with sharp hair. Oh, no, not at that stage. Your hair was almost down to your lower back. Remember, it was beautiful. I remember your first press conference. Not, oh, yeah, you had the man bun. My, my very, it didn't last too long at the Crows because Pikey basically told me, if you don't cut it off, you're not getting a game. <laughs> yeah, I was like, how dare you say that? You know, don't cut my hair, I'm Samson. <laughs> I'm Samson. No, cut it off and look what happened. Uh, 655 on 1629 SNSA text line is open. 0427 154 166. Don't forget, um, a Signet Boost power bank valued at 59.95. A Signet Boost power bank will keep your phone, tablet and earbuds powered 24-7. So we'll give that away before 8.30 to the best text slash caller. All right, top of 19 across Adelaide today. Montan Kia at Cheltenham and Mount Barker for immediate delivery on class-leading Kia vehicles. Tire Power, here to help you stay safe on the road. Breakfast with Andrew Hayes and Bryce Gibbs. I'm better than ever. Text line 0427 154 166. We're talking about uh, Eddie McGuire's idea as part of this giant redevelopment of the MCG to put a little roof on there, which I'm on board with. I like the idea that not during football, and this is very, very selective, and maybe you would consider this a bit of a waste of money, but... Having the roof there on standby just in case we we're going to miss some cricket, in particular test cricket. But his point was very, very solid that we should have missed the T20 World Cup final. That's what the weather forecast uh, said that was going to happen. We just got absolutely lucky that it came through. But um, you're against, and it feels like the people who are texting through are on your side, Gibbsy. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to have a roof, especially during footy season as well, a roof and not use it, that just defeats the purpose of it. So. Mm. Basically, if you had a roof on the MCG, all games played in Melbourne in wet weather would not be wet weather anymore because we would have a roof on both stadiums and you'd it, be playing. It would feel like insurance though, almost. Insurance for what? Insurance for the idea of losing some valuable test cricket. I, I, yeah. You've lost me now. You got life insurance, mate? Yeah, no, I don't think I do actually. Well... That's foolish. Might, might go put a roof on it. Um, <laughs> nah, f- for the sake of uh, for the sake of the Boxing Day tests, I think just run the gauntlet. Mm. Uh, this text from Louis 
on 0427154166. Always sent through excellent texts. He said, I think we should fly a massive dome over the state of Victoria <laughs> yes. every summer, just like in Simpsons movie. Yeah, I did enjoy that. I did laugh <laughs> at that. Go. I did lol at that. Let's get that. I think the Victorians are, I mean, I don't want to offend any Victorians. I think they'd be happy with that as well. <laughs> yeah. Their own little bubble. They'd feel like uh, Melbourne is their own little planet, just like the uh, um, Western Australians feel like Perth is well, as well. I, well, I tell you what, the four Mallies in at the moment, I reckon he could make it happen here in South Australia. <laughs> yeah, if there's anyone that could make something like that, ha- that right happen up. here at, at the Oval, you know, yep. it, Mallee would be on the job. So here's the agenda. Peter Malinowskis over the next sort of three to five years, his three to five year plan. So uh, we're going to continue to get some of these outrageous events to Adelaide. Um, we're going to get the Adelaide Rams back. Yep. We're going to get a Super Bowl. Yep. And we're going to get a dome put over the state of Victoria. So we can host the Wimbledon final <laughs> in the middle of winter. <laughs> we'll get the Wimbledon final and the Australian Open final. It's all happening three minutes past seven o'clock. What's your thoughts as well on whether or not you think that the voting system should be shifted out of the umpire's hands as well? Dane Zorko, of course, Brisbane Lions skipper, had some very interesting things to, uh, to say. We'll hear from him next. Time busy, Gibbsy. Really busy. I mean, it's outrageous. We need to get a tech in here just to calm it down. 0427 154 166. Now, we uh, spoke to Dave not long ago. He said it's his birthday and he's starting with SEM. We followed up saying, how old are you, Dave? And he wrote back saying, I'm 26 today, spending the day at work teaching year sixes at Mercedes College. Quiet dinner tonight, though. Well, I mean, you're more than... Um, comfortable and surely you're in a light to have yourself a little shower beer, maybe one or two, just because to you know 26 years that's that's a good solid achievement. Nice milestone, isn't it? Turning yes, over 26. And all the good folks at Mercedes College as well. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, but um, a couple of very good co-teachers in Logan Hill, I reckon, and Tom Keo, uh, West Adelaide boys. Uh, that's news to me, but mm. I'm sure yeah, they work there. Two of the great Warriors that have done some premiership players at Westside. In fact, Tom Keogh's just retired as well. Yes, he has, hasn't he? Mm. And he was a seriously, seriously good good player, as has Logan Hill. They both retired. So Logan Hill announced it uh, mid-season that his last game of the regular season and Tom Keogh uh, not too long ago. So there you go, a couple of absolute stalwarts of the competition who you'd like playing against. Um, but, geez, both bloody good players. Yeah, they certainly were. And, uh, yeah, obviously... Adam Hartlett coming in and taking over the job loses a bit of experience there with uh, with those two guys hanging up the boots. But, um, yeah, I hope they're going well. And it's about that time of year at uh, high schools and primary schools towards the back end of Term 4. They're just watching movies, aren't they? Yeah. Just not doing a whole lot at the moment. <laughs> it's good. It's, it's an early run, though. When do you finish school? Well, you can get six movies in between now and the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> it's the 16th of November. Yeah. I think the school go up till around about the 16th of December. Yeah, everyone's checked out, I feel, about this time of year. Last month. It's not even the last few days. Yeah, last month, checked out. It's movie time. Feature film festival for the five weeks. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk about uh, this betting scandal and what it could potentially mean for the voting system going ahead. So we floated this yesterday and we spoke to Michelangelo Rucci. We might get his thoughts again. Dane Zorko, of course, captain of the Brisbane Lions, very prominent voice when he does speak inside AFL circles, had this to say about potentially just shifting the voting system out of the umpire's hands. This is another reason as to why umpires shouldn't have to vote straight after the game. Leave it to an expert panel that can decide. Don't leave it up to the umpires. Uh, Take that responsibility off them. I mean, I don't know if that's the way, but now there's three and next year there's going to be four by the sounds. They're going to bring in another umpire. And now the fact that there's, well, there's three at the moment, they're all sort of in different thirds of the ground. So you're not 
actually seeing mm. who's the most influential the whole mm. time. So there you go. Dane Zorko speaking on 1116 SEN Drive. Thoughts on Zorko's comments? I can certainly understand where he's coming from. And to put it into a player's perspective, it's very rare that straight after the game, you can say who who's played well and who hasn't because there's actually that much going on and you're playing a role. And you know sometimes it's pretty clear if someone's kicked, you know, six or seven goals in the game or um, or, or getting their hands on it uh, more often than not. But uh, most of the time, you, you actually, it's like, oh, who played well today? Until you actually look at the stats and, and be told uh, who's played well. So for the umpires, they've, they've obviously got a job to do as well. And there's a lot going on and it's just about one of the hardest sports to officiate in the world. So I can understand where, where Dane's coming from there. Um, but in terms of, if you look at it at a, as a pure betting scandal, I mean, if they take the voting system off the, the umpires and put it onto someone else, it's still not going to take away the fact that that independent panel can still give inside information to, to the, in, you know, give it to the wrong hands. Yeah, uh, I'm saying so. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously going to cause a bit of debate whether it's whether they they need to take it out of the umpire's hands. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I just, it, I mean, to compare it to the NRL and God help us when we're comparing it to the NRL. But obviously, that's I think it's judged by the media, and it doesn't seem to leak ever. In terms of the uh, Dally M, and I mean, it comes. There's even it's even open for the first few rounds before it goes behind closed doors. Um, there's probably been examples where things have leaked, and for whatever reason, it doesn't feel like the Dally M is anywhere near as prestigious as uh, the Brownlow is. But yeah, I wouldn't have any issues with it shifting out of hands. I feel like that was something that, if it did, it would be a tradition that you could quite easily get used to not being a place. Like, uh, who's going to be upset that the umpires don't get to choose it? Probably the umpires. Well, would they? <laughs> I, I mean, know. do they even want that responsibility? I don't know. I, don't know. I saw uh, I saw an interesting tweet from uh, Dane Swan, actually. He said, the only way you're going to stop something like this happening again is if you get rid of the Brownlow altogether. Yeah, yeah exactly. He goes, why? Well, he's, he was fascinated why so many people uh, rate it so highly anyway. And that's coming from a man who's who's got one. Well, it's... Yeah, I don't know why I'm saying that. Yeah, it well, is I don't know. It's, it's, unbelievably prestigious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, you, you still, do, you, do you rate it as... as the prestige that comes with it. I mean, I did see uh, Nathan Buckley um, on eleven sixteen sort yeah. of rate his top three or top yeah. four individual he was five, performances. He had it at three or four. He had it at three or four. List. Um, First one being winning a best and fairest in a premiership year as your biggest individual yeah. accolade that you can collect. Um, and then second, I think second he had Norm Smith and then the Brownlow. I think it might have been the uh, Coaches Association Award. The, ahead of that as well yeah 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 so um oh look it's it's it, it obviously is is it is an amazing award to win and uh you know most guys that win it are, are certainly deserving of it um another award that the players hold in high um regard too is the the afl players association award that you get voted on by your peers. So that sounds like internally within the players that's highly rated, but probably not as highly rated externally. Because all we think so. about, like in terms of the media, all we think about is the brand. I'd life. say that the players' award would be on par, if not held in a higher regard than winning a Brownlow medal. Really? Yeah. Wow. From a player's point of view, I'd say, yeah. So the players then obviously take the voting system very seriously. Yes. Yep. 
for sure. There's no dummy votes like when Cameron Ling used to always win, win sexiest man in the AFL. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, no I, can't, I, can't, I can't speak for 800 others, <laughs> other players in the AFL, but when I was voting for that award, I would genuinely give my, my honest opinion on who I thought the top, top five players were in that year. Could you vote on yourself? You couldn't vote anyone from your club. Right, okay. So, yeah, the voting system. You could The the first round of nominations they took were purely from your club. So the players in the playing group vote for the top three players. Then they go into the pool with top three players from all clubs. Then you vote on the, that pool of players with your teammates taken out of that pool. See, here's the thing, though, that gets me in terms of the voting system. And this is just human nature. It's a way that we are set up. If you genuinely do not like someone as a person, you're not voting for them. I guarantee it. So if you have a personal stoush with someone, an opposition player, and let's say it's really, really personal, and you still know he's the best player, I guarantee 99% of the time you're not giving him the votes that he probably deserves for his football ability if you have a personal squabbling. I'll give you an example in, um, in sample terms. So, I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was 2007. Ian Callan. It's one of the best individual seasons I've ever seen someone put together at sample level. I think he won our best and fairest by a record margin. We had something like 14 games at home and he 12 of them he was best on ground. It was ridiculous. And Wingnut, not a good relationship with the umpires. <laughs> really bad relationship. And someone who would openly... Um, give his thoughts and opinions quite aggressively sometimes. Probably can't get away with it these days. And it absolutely cost him a McGarry medal. He got, he got nowhere near McGarry medal. And we're sitting there going, how is he placed where, where he's placed when he's won our best and fairest by a record margin? It's This is a bloke who was playing as a midfielder, resting up forward and kicked 59 goals as a resting small forward. It was ridiculous. So you can't tell me, this is the biggest example I've ever seen in my life, you can't tell me where relationships, personal relationships have cost you a medal. And that's why it should be out of someone's hands who is purely judging it on pure football ability. Yeah, I mean slightly different in terms of the umpires compared to your, your peers. I'm just saying if you yeah, had... Yeah, if I, you, I and you, you know the players who you genuinely dislike as person, people. I, I understand. I, I think you'd find it doesn't happen that often. Like, oh. really. I'm not saying it happens often, but I just wonder if there was... I'm looking for a, a Brownlow medalist or a McGarry medalist who won an award who was really, really unpopular. Because <laughs> there's some really good players who you're like, you know, they're most likely loved within their teammates, if, but they do their absolute best. If I mean, you ask uh, Diesel Williams, he said he, he was robbed of Brownlow. <laughs> <laughs> and I reckon yeah. he gave a bit of cheek to the umpires too back in the day. So yeah, I think he needed two votes or three votes in the last game. He had 45 or something, yeah. a couple of goals and... It polled none or one vote if he didn't and fell short of his second Brownlow. Yeah. Geez. So there <laughs> and he, you go. He's still filthy on it too. <laughs> he's still filthy. Yeah. Still brings it up from time to time. Yeah. Give him a couple of beers. All the time. All right. Get involved this morning. We love your thoughts. 0427 154 166. We'll speak to Michelangelo Rucci next. Uh, Matthew Clark, Adelaide Crows, AFLW coach, not too far away as well. Uh, doing it this morning, thanks to our good friends at Tire Power, of course. Buy three, get one free on selected Kumo tyres. Top of 19. Montane Kia at Cheltenham and Mount Barker for immediate delivery on class-leading Kia vehicles. 
Tire Power, here to help you stay safe on the road. Breakfast with Andrew Hayes and Bryce Gibbs. I'm better than ever. When I'm looking at you, I'm better than ever. 21 minutes past the 7 o'clock. And of course, you can get involved via the text line this morning, 0427 154 166. Um, this one as well. It says it doesn't matter who does the votes for the Brownlow, someone always knows results and there's always a risk of leaks. At least the umpires are regulated by the AFL and if get gets caught, they'll lose more than they gain from the bet. That's from Sean. It's a really good text. Um, and look, it's probably um, linked to Dane Swan's point as well that as long as there is an award and as long as you can take bets, there's going to be some sort of scandal that's going to be consistent. Yeah, it's, uh, there's sort of no way of, of stamping it out absolutely, completely, 100%. But, yeah, mm. what, what, what do you think will happen? Do you, do you reckon they will take it? What's your gut feel? Do you reckon they'll take it off the umpires? Oh, no, they're just going to leave it in place, isn't yeah. it? This is, a, this is a bit of a random scandal. Yeah. And if something like this happens again in the short term or even in the next sort of few years, then maybe they'll start questioning things. But this is clearly one-off. Yeah, and the penalty that will get thrown down to these individuals that uh, are in, involved in this... In this uh, this incident, uh, yeah, they'll they'll set the precedent to make sure that this never happens again. Mm. Um, all right, Michelangelo Rucci, not too far away. In the meantime, let's talk about the skipper of the Adelaide Football Club. Of course, that is Rory Sloan. Um, and look, there's already sort of question marks on will Sloan go on again next year to become the captain or will they go down a different path? Um, spoke to the media yesterday on the captaincy. That chat is something that I always have with the footy club is what's best for the footy club, really. Um, and if that's me going into next year, then absolutely. I'll love and cherish cherish that role. If that's someone else, then that's amazing too. Um, I've said this a million times, like leadership's never about having a title. No matter what my title is at the footy club, I'll lead the same way. So we'll speak about this a little bit more before 8 o'clock, but um, thoughts on Roy Sloan going around again as skipper? Uh, I mean... He, he's an unbelievable leader and he, he certainly sets the example both on and off the field with his actions and, and how he how he conducts himself. Uh, I think I I wouldn't mind seeing him move it on. Just coming off a, an ACL, he's, uh, he's obviously doing everything in his powers to, to get back bigger, better and stronger and, and he's eyeing off a, a round one return. Just to have... The ability to focus purely on on fitting back into this side, uh, playing consistent football, uh, I think having the captaincy is just an, an extra thing that he doesn't necessarily need at this time in his career. All right, uh, we'll continue that conversation with Michelangelo Rucci. In the meantime, your thoughts? So four two seven one five four one double six. Rooch joins us. Good morning, Rooch. Good morning, uh, Andrew. Good morning, Bryce. The bigger question there, uh, Bryce. What are your thoughts on this? But where do they play Rory Sloan in their ultimate lineup, Adelaide? I think he starts at half forward, Roach, to be honest. Uh, I think we've gone past the days. It's an of... interesting attack now. If you, It's an interesting attack if you put Rory Sloan in there. It, it certainly so is. At the moment, you'd have, you'd have Phil Thorpe, Fogarty, Walker. So there's three spots gone. Uh, you've got. Three other spots to fill, and I'm not sure Rory Sloan is in those three. Yeah, I think he starts there, and he and he plays in a in a forward mid rotation. So I think we'll still see Isaac Rankin go through the midfield. We'll see Rochelle go through the midfield, and I reckon Sloan will be in sort of that three way forward mid 
rotation. But I think uh, he'll spend a lot more time forward than we've seen him uh, in his career to date. It'll be interesting how that one plays and where they find him in the in the lineup. Um, yeah, interesting times on that one. But in terms of the captaincy, um, do we see Adelaide having the next captain? Is it does it become Jordan Dawson? That's the question there. Yeah, see that's Which a, is interesting after this. It's a good question, Roach, because for for the last sort of two or three years, everyone's just sort of said, well, we, we kind of got to the stage where we're like, yep, it's locked in. It's it's Tom Duday. And then we even speaking about yeah. this a few yeah. days ago, and they said, look, well, look, Tom Duday would do a, a sensational job, but there's a lot of people now saying that Jordan Dawson, Dawson absolutely in the mix, particularly when he gets injected into the leadership group in his first year. Correct. So, yeah, it's a few interesting thoughts there for Adelaide to work through, but I'll be intrigued as to just where they play him. If, it's, if that forward system where he's going to have to concede Miller to go somewhere else, it's going to be interesting how Rory Sloan fits in then. Mm. Oh, well, it's a nice problem for the Crows to have, I suppose. Indeed, yeah. Well, it says that everything forward to centre has got massive options for them. Their real question is, and the same with Port Adelaide, is how they set up the defence to make sure that they don't get scored against heavily, so yeah. Interesting how that one plays in the sense of uh, Nick's and Hinkley then also set up their playbook. Mm. Roach, we're back here again, uh, same time as yesterday in terms of the umpires and who gets to vote, etc. Uh, Dane Zorko, some really prominent words saying it should be taken out of the hands of the umpires. Um, what would happen? Do you think there would have to be more scandals for this for there to be a forced change? Right now, it would be play on as per usual for next year and beyond. Yeah. No, no, no. Let's let's. Let's just keep the focus on where this is. The Brownlow Medal is an award that was designed for umpires to recognise players. The fact that it still remains the most prestigious award says there isn't a problem with the umpires voting for it. And for everyone now saying, like, Grant Thomas is leading the campaign on this one, as if all of a sudden, if we put a panel of experts in it, that a midfielder won't keep winning it. I can assure you, a midfielder will always win it because every award at the moment that has a panel of experts is giving the midfielder that award as well. The players are giving their award to a midfielder. The coaches are giving their award to a midfielder. Every media award is going to a midfielder. Nothing's going to change. And, And... don't think that all of a sudden, simply because a panel of experts are going to give out these awards, that they don't get it wrong either. Uh, let's go back to a Norm Smith between you know, Buckley and Voss. Admittedly, that was the stupidity of you know, having the votes taken five minutes before that grand final finish. But I can go through even this year. Like the Anzac Medal had a panel of experts, and there was controversy about how those votes were done. Matthew Lloyd had to explain also how he voted in the panel of experts. This Brownlow medal was designed for the umpires to determine who was the fairest and best player in a season. I don't see why we're having to have this debate change the Brownlow medal. It's, no, one, no one is, is anyone questioning at this point how the votes were cast for the 2022 Brownlow medal? Mm. Yeah, no one is. No one. No one. No one suddenly say this 2022 Brownlow medal was completely botched. They got the wrong player for it. We've got to take the votes away from the umpires. What we've had here is one umpire go way off the reservation, 
But don't tell me there haven't been other medals over the years that haven't had some doubts about how the voting panel have voted. So I don't, I don't see why all of a sudden, because we've had one umpire who has become rogue, suddenly gives... gives as I read someone last night saying, this is more evidence that the umpires should not vote for the Brownlow medal. There's, there's no evidence from this that the umpires shouldn't vote for the Brownlow medal. The only thing we've got here is the AFL's now got to deal with the fact about the integrity of how those votes are then kept and stopping umpires from being tempted to in any way leak that information. Mm. They're two totally different things, but I still haven't had anyone bring forward an absolute cast on, that's it. You've, you've won the argument here that the Brownlow medal vote should be taken away from the umpires. Yeah, it's interesting, Roach. Uh, we will and, 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 and if it's all of a sudden, if, if all of a sudden it's about, oh, I it would stop a midfielder winning it, well, no. if that was the case, show me where there is any other award this year, any other award except for the ones that, you know, the club-based ones with the, the club champions where everyone gets a vote and then it becomes not the best player in the season but the most consistent player where a midfielder didn't win it. Yeah, that, that, that's it, isn't it, Roach? I mean, what people don't understand is when you see some of these key position players winning best and fairest awards, it's because each player is judged individually on their game, not there's three votes available. So if it was that, then exactly. absolutely it would be a midfielder with every single award. Matter of fact, go to those club champions, boil down the votes and take them back to the original 3-2-1 system and see how different the winning the winner becomes. Yep, spot on. Uh, Rich, in terms of prestige, do you still have the Brownlow medal in terms of individual awards, the Brownlow as the best thing that a footballer in the AFL can win? I mean, it was interesting to see Nathan Buckley's thoughts, and he had winning a best and fairest in premiership year. He then also had Norm Smith, uh, and then did he have the Coaches Association uh, Award, and then the Brownlow medal. Mm. You still got yeah, Brownlow well. at the top? Uh, Bryce. Yes, Roach. What would you rather win, your club champion or the Brownlow medal? Oh, that's a that's a good question. I mean, club, club champion in a premiership year. Yeah, certainly. The... Oh, let me ask you. Let me ask it a little differently, Bryce. I won't throw it that way. Okay. <laughs> which one? Which one's going to in your contract and in your marketing deals? Which one's going to get you the better better? Um, <laughs> well, that's big crude as it is, the better coin. The Brownlow medal or your club champion? Nah. Well, <laughs> Carlton and Adelaide were smart. They knew I was nowhere near winning a Brownlow, so I didn't have any triggers in uh, my contract to win that, but uh, I had more for the uh, for a best and fairest. But, um, yeah, I mean, both are, both are unbelievable, uh, special to, to, win, to win one or the other. But, um, yeah, I mean, to, as... as uh, Hazy just said, uh, you get votes in games where you might have roles to play uh, and yeah. you get uh, rewarded for those roles uh, and it, it doesn't come down to, to stats and uh, necessarily. So that's why you do see you see Mark Blitzarves win two or three um, yeah. best and fairest at Geelong. He, he might not be the, the best player uh, seen on the ground, but what his ability to do on game day, playing multiple roles and, and yeah. the way they set up around him is so important to them and he gets rewarded for it uh, in that in that forum. Right. Who won the Brownlow medal last year? Ollie. Pat. Not this year. Not this year, last year. Ollie. Right. Who won West Coast Best and Fairest last year? Uh, good point. <laughs> Brass? Tom Brass? Tom Brass. Was it? Well, 
I think, I think, <laughs> I think we know. If, if, you're, if you're looking to see which awards uh, are going to continue to be prestigious, the Brownlow medals too. I, I get Nathan Buckley's point. And you know, winning a best and fairest in a year in which you win a flag, that's only one bloke who can do that. Whereas, I mean, there's the Brownlow medal. You can win it even when you're the wooden spooner, but it proves the quality of the footballer you are. So... I don't think we're taking away the prestige of the Brownlow medal. Yeah, I think as well the way that Nathan Buckley's put together is probably just being modest as well. It's it's the only thing that he didn't do in the game. <laughs> well, that's that's an interesting thought as well. But no, I get where Nathan was going. And in the essence, if you win the best and fairest in the Premiership year, you're standing out in a, in you know, the best team of the year. Yeah. Uh, but I I would say that the point is proven by all of a sudden if uh, you're looking to do a TV ad for your product I think you're going to get Patrick Cripps with his Brownlow medal rather than any club champion around the competition yeah that's a fair point Roach love your work we'll catch up with you in first thing tomorrow I look forward to it and um, Bryce there are a lot of things that Adelaide got wrong with your contract not to mention where they played you on match day, but we'll leave that for another time. <laughs> there you go. That's good. We should pick up that little drive-by by Roach conversation yeah, in the next sort of couple of weeks at some stage. I'd love to get Roach's thoughts on that. Uh, don't forget uh, Kim Dillon and Michelangelo Rucci drive you home. SENSA drive from three to five each and every day. They'll be back this afternoon from three. Uh, Seven thirty-five on sixteen twenty-nine SENSA. We're going to catch up with Matthew Clark, Adelaide Crows coach, um, against them ahead of a big game on Friday night's spot in the grand final up for grabs. Uh, so we'll speak to Doc very, very soon. Here's the news. Montan Kia at Cheltenham and Mount Barker for immediate delivery on class-leading Kia vehicles. Tire Power, here to help you stay safe on the road. Breakfast with Andrew Hayes and Bryce Gibbs. I'm better than that. Text line 0427 This one reads, can I vote Mally for PM? Man, he's got my vote. Just got my tickets to see Cam Phil and the boys at Grange for Live Golf. It's some pop from KI. It's a great, great text. Yes, got my vote as well. Spot on. Uh, this one, Logan Hills at Mercedes. My pleasure working in office with him. Still trying to get him on the SENSA wagon. Oh, come on, Hilly. For goodness sake. Do yourself a favour. Do yourself a favour. Start your day the right way. Uh, and good on you, Dave. Thank you for spreading the good word. But uh, if we can get Logan Hill on board, um, that would be a, a massive, massive achievement for SENSA. One of the greats. Get him to call in or send a text. We'll read it out. <laughs> Guarantee that. 7.41. Let's speak to Doc Clark in just a couple of minutes. Right now, here's the news. Montan Kia at Cheltenham and Mount Barker for immediate delivery on class-leading Kia vehicles. Tire Power, here to help you stay safe on the road. Breakfast with Andrew Hayes and Bryce Gibbs. I'm better than that Oh, goodness me. Mike's always on there, Bryce. Just a bit of heads up. Always assume that, yeah. Andrew. Never. Radio 101. Never turn the mic on and then clear your throat. <laughs> 0427 154 is a text line. A lot of text coming through in support of the girls on Friday night. Spot up for grabs for the uh, AFLW Grand Final. The coach, of course, unbelievably successful coach, is Matthew Clark. He joins us right now. Doc, good morning. How you going, guys? Yeah, going very well, thanks, mates. Um, just a quick word on the game that was against Collingwood. You ever been involved in something like that, conditions like that? It was ridiculous. Yeah, no, that was the first for me. Um, I've seen the odd one get uh, delayed with lightning, but never been involved. 
so yeah, it was strange. It was probably the um, it was probably the break at halftime, which was kind of the most uh, perplexing in, in terms of we'd had 43 minutes off, played about 18 minutes of footy, and then we had a six, another 16 minute break. So coming up out after halftime was was probably the most uh, challenging, to be honest. So, I mean, no one's trained to, uh, oh, by the way, just in case you have a 43-minute break at quarter time to, to keep the girls <laughs> up and about or, I mean, w- what do you do? I mean, everyone's, it's probably foreign territory for everybody. Yeah, How well, do you, how's everyone stay active? No, it was, no, it was, uh, it was an interesting one, obviously, but probably, uh, and our head of high performance is actually away for the, the day. So we had uh, Josh Gregor actually came, stepped in in his, in his first uh, run at the gig and <laughs> we threw that at him. He had to run seven warm-ups. So, um, but... Uh, Ultimately, what we did was, we, because we'd had the delay in game uh, leading in before quarter one, uh, we just basically replicated that, where we, where we just got them to relax, uh, sit down. There's no point getting excited just yet. We've got, uh, we've got a little weight here, and uh, they did that really well. Yeah, it was uh, very, very, very calm, as I say, and, and they got, got up pretty well after that. But it was probably, as I said, coming out of halftime, it was like, I'm pretty, it feels like we've done this before. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. Bit of deja vu there, Doc. So let's get into the, mm. the big game this week. It's obviously win or go home. Uh, it's going to be a tough, tough match. Um, they had you had you measure last time you played them as well. They're, they're very good in the contest and uh, tackled extremely well. Um, how are you you planning this week? Have you got a, you've obviously been to a lot of prelims in the last couple of years. You uh, you got a few old uh, plays in the playbook. You're going to bring out. How are you how are you going to attack them this week? <laughs> Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously last time around, yeah, they were clearly better than us. Uh, we had our moments, but but ultimately, you know, across the four quarters, they were pretty consistent. So if we don't, if we don't play four quarters, we won't win. But, uh, you know, in some ways, our season has mirrored that. We've been, um, we've been really good in patches, but we probably haven't consistency of, of previous seasons. So our, our challenge is just to make sure we bring it all into this game and, and while Brisbane have had an outstanding season and, you know, de- deservedly a favourites, um, it's not over till it's over. And, you know, past performance is not a true indicator of future performance, as they say in the financial documents. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll head out there. Uh, we've really... I've got a great belief in the group, um, justifiably. Uh, they've been in these situations many times and, and come through strongly. So uh, we look forward to the, the challenge and, you know, whether we'll change it up significantly probably not we might do a few things differently uh, but if we play our best footy we're pretty confident so i can know it's wednesday and uh hopefully someone somewhere externally won't find a reason not to play chelsea randall so we're locking her in as we speak but when we did hear from nicole livingston a few days ago she said that she still has to pass tests is that false she's already passed the test am i right yeah that's passed but i guess the 12 day protocol uh, and I guess that's do the math. I don't know. That, it was a Friday to Friday uh, in terms of since you went out. So I guess uh, four in twelve days will be the day. So um, mm, we'll watch never, but we'll wait. Can she right? Well, sorry, mate. We just got you on a dodgy line, so we might we might let you go as well. I know you've got to uh, take the kids to school and everything, but uh, we appreciate your time this morning. Um, we're going to lock Chelsea Randall absolutely in. Huge addition. Uh, looking forward to you guys, hopefully, uh, getting into yet another grand final. You've been an absolute powerhouse. Thanks for your time this morning. Thanks, boys. Appreciate the interest. Cheers. Matthew Clark joining us this morning. Chelsea Randall, locker in. One of the absolute best players in the competition, not just at the Crows. Um, yeah, it's going to be tough up there, but the girls have a lot of times this season as well 
found a way to win when they've been up against it. Yeah, and, and Doc makes a, a great point in terms of doesn't matter what uh, past performances and, and how they've played against the, the Brisbane Lions this year, what counts is how they attack them this week. And I have no doubt Doc will have a few things up his sleeve. Mm. And the girls are, are well experienced in these big final games. So uh, that could be the difference at the end of the day. I know Brisbane have been a, a very good side over a number of years as well and have played in a lot of finals campaigns. But uh, when it's mattered, uh, the Adelaide Crows have uh, been on top more often than not. Yep, Matthew Clark, Crows coach, our guest this morning. Make sure you download, have a bit of a listen to that via the podcast. Uh, doing this morning, thanks to Chemist Warehouse as well, the Real House of Fragrances this Christmas. And a big shout out to the good folks at Morn Team. We love their continued support. Morn Team Ford at Mount Barker. That's where you go for the V6 Ranger. Montane Kia at Cheltenham and Mount Barker for immediate delivery on class-leading Kia vehicles. Tire Power, here to help you stay safe on the road. Breakfast with Andrew Hayes and Bryce Gibbs. I'm better than ever. Yeah, busy this morning. 0427 154 166. That's a text line to get yourself involved. This one from Brett. This morning, guys, I have to respectfully disagree with the Roach on the Brownlow. I think it would be greatly improved the game, unprimed performance in the Brownlow count. If an expert panel awarded the votes after each game, it would improve the game as a whole. Umpire voting is a flawed, outdated part of the game that needs to change for the betterment of the game. Um, a lot of mixed views coming through via this. Um, and look, all is welcome. It's a good text from Brett. Yeah, there is certainly dividing opinions on uh, on this topic. But uh, yeah, I dare say nothing will change. And the umpires will uh, be in control of the Brownlow voting again next year. But uh, yeah, it uh, doesn't seek everyone's... Everyone doesn't fall under... Here we go, here we go, here we go. This is, oh. this is solid. Here we go. <laughs> All right, what have we got here? I'm not, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> just give it a crack. I'm just going to pull myself up before I give no, another. So yesterday it was he's got a, he's got a head screwed on his shoulders. <laughs> Do you know what? Sometimes it's like going around in my mind what what it is that I just can't quite get it out. <laughs> we get the vibe of what you're trying to say. I think not everybody uh, is it the saying everyone falls under the same umbrella or is that what you were going with? Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> We'll call it that. It's, it's clear skies outside, though. Yeah, it's clear skies. I had no need for an umbrella this morning. <laughs> <laughs> All right, text line. Uh, on 0427154166, this one reads, Andrew, when is your last day at SEN? That needs to be the best of Kane and Hazy Day. Replay all the funny stuff. Plenty of Kane singing. I can be your hero, baby. It's a very good point. I can be your hero, baby. Plenty of Kane singing. I'm not sure if we've got much else. You oh. think I'm pretty without any makeup on. Oh, look, there's bits and pieces. Baby. I mean, just give me an opportunity. <laughs> And we can listen to Kane Corn sing. Who would have thought? Are you leaving, are you? <laughs> Apparently. Okay. Didn't you know? No, I had no idea. Okay. Well, yeah, next Thursday. Oh, that's it. All right. There'll be somewhat of a small celebration. We'll have a bit of a crack. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if there's any beers in the fridge here at uh, in the studio. Oh, there should be. It's always, it's always full, isn't it? I think so. Um, 0427-154-166. This one from Daniel said, I can't remember the player, maybe saw some merit from the Brisbane Lions, but remember when the player knew he was playing at full forward, not the usual fullback position, no one else did. Friends got told and got first goal winning bet at 50 to 1. That's very similar to the umpire situation, although um, that didn't result in jail time potentially. <laughs> no. I, I think 
Yeah, there, there was there was sanctions though given down to the player. There would have been. There, there was an investigation around that. I think absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So you just wonder in a situation like that whether it was a player saying to a mate, "Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm playing. Full, I'm playing full forward this yeah. um, this Saturday." Instead of a direct conversation, because straight away in your head you go, "Well, what he said is, I'm playing full forward to put a big bet on me to kick the first goal." Yeah, he well, might have just been an innocent conversation, and the mates might have stitched him up and gone, "Well, he's playing full forward. That's outrageous odds. I might just put a little bet on there." Well, so so that's a part of the 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 thing you sign up for as an AFL player. You, you can't be you can't do that anyway. You can't be giving information uh, regarding team selection. Team uh, teammates' positions uh, and where they're playing on the field uh, for for that for that very reason, and that's obviously in the the, the players' circles. It's that's common knowledge, uh, and if you get caught doing that, you're in uh, you're in big big strife. Mm. Um, all right, keep the text coming through. Oh four two seven one five four one double six. Still heaps to go through in the show this morning, so we're going to speak to Mick Downer, who's an assistant coach of the Adelaide 36ers, see what the boys have been up to in their little break. And also Talia McGrath, she's an absolute star. We'll speak to her from the Adelaide Strikers and the WBBL. Uh, it's bang on 8 o'clock though, so let's get into the newsroom and let's do it thanks to Weeks. We don't replicate, we create homes that transform lives. Weeks Homes Discover Different. Just a quick heads up as well, show your support for McHappy Day by purchasing a pair of silly socks from Macca's. It's only going to cost you $5. Money raised will go towards Ronald McDonald House Charities as they continue to help seriously ill or injured children and their families. Here's the news. Montan Kia at Cheltenham and Mount Barker for immediate delivery on class-leading Kia vehicles. Tire Power, here to help you stay safe on the road. Breakfast with Andrew Hayes and Bryce Gibbs. I'm better than that 1-300-736-736, that is the number. Plenty of time to get yourself in air this morning, have a bit of a conversation in regards to getting yourself in the running to win the power, the Signet Boost Power Bank, valued at $59.95. Stay charged. Have you, you got your car charged or what? <laughs> My cards back up and going. New battery. There was a problem with the windows, I think. That oh. Was, yeah. Not quite shutting probably, which was draining my battery when it was in park. And next minute, uh, flat battery. There you go. It's all happening. So Signet Boost Power Bank will keep you charged at all hours of the day. Uh, time now to talk some basketball. Let's talk about the 36ers. They're back after a little fever break, taking on Melbourne United on Thursday night. So let's speak to assistant coach Mick Downer. Good morning to you, Mick. Hey, good morning, fellas. Hey, mate. Good to have you on board this morning. Um, take us through a bit of a fever break. What did you guys get up to? Uh, it was, well, it was business as usual with the guys that we had um, in town. Obviously, we had uh, Maka was away with the Boomers, Kai up there with the Philippines. Uh, Hiram, Hiram was away um, with the Tall Blacks. So we had a few few guys away, but um, with the guys that stayed in town, we, um, we brought in a couple of local guys just to give us some numbers and, uh, yeah, just kept, kept trying to get better. I suppose, mate. Is it did the the exit of Craig Randall come at a good time? Given a, it's more time for you guys to sort of readjust and regroup. I mean, yeah, with the feeble window and, and no games for a period of time, it made sense. I think a lot of um, you know a lot of a lot of clubs around the world um, are in the same situation. If there's have been players that have that have moved for various reasons, so um, yeah, absolutely, it, it sort of made made sense to. Uh, for both parties at that time. So obviously, Randall being a, an import, uh, are you able to bring in another import? Uh, you, do you have the ability to do that, or are you pretty set with where the roster is at the moment and for the rest of the season? 
No, I think at, I mean at the moment we've um, we've activated um, Nick Marshall, who's had a you know, he's a really good really good player. He, 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 you know, he probably should be a contract contract player in the league. It's just through circumstance. So um, he's he's come in. Uh, we are we are looking. Uh, we've been pretty open with the group about um, you know replacing Craig in the short term. Though we're we're happy with where we're at, and we're just going to make sure that we um, you know we get that right that right person that can come in and, and fit this group, um, you know, on and off the court and, you know, and, and help us. Is it annoying you, Mick, just the, the, the thought process and the talk around just how um, important, in, in all due respect, how important Randall has been for your scoring? I mean, I look at the roster, Franks, Cleveland, Johnson, Drew McDetch, you guys have got so many scoring weapons. And now I'm looking at it thinking, well, it's more of an opportunity to spread the love. Yeah, I think it's um, it's sport, right? You know, whether it's through like this situation or there's an injury or something, whenever you you kind of lose a player um, of Craig's ability, and you know he could really score the ball, but um, you know you lose a you lose a player, you know other players step up. Like that's I guess the the mindset of uh, of our guys, um, you know, is that as a collective that they can they can step up. You know, we played uh, I think it was a road game in Illawarra, and it was a game that you know. Um, by committee, uh, you know, we moved the ball around and uh, as, as a group, you know, we played a pretty good game of basketball. So, um, yeah, the lads, are, the lads are, uh, are ready to roll when it comes to that. Um, we we will, you know, we will miss in the short term for sure. He's, he's just playing making ability. Craig was a special talent in that regards. But, um, you know, we're confident that with the group here, um, you know, that we can, we can fill that. So a big weekend on the road for the club, starting tomorrow night against Melbourne United. They're uh, usually a pretty tough outfit, uh, no matter how they're going. Um, how do you plan to beat them? <laughs> um, you know, we need to play well. Like as you know, like this league is tough. There's, there's no nights off. You've got to you got to put uh, a full game together. So and that's probably been our Achilles' heel. Uh, is uh, it's really cliche, but that whole playing four quarters of basketball. Um, we've been. We've had our moments where, um, you know, we, we played exceptionally well and then we've been, you know, really off the boil. So going into Melbourne, um, they're deep, they're talented. Uh, we need to get off to a good start. I think the game is going to be a fairly physical game um, and, you know, we need to be able to be up for it right from the get-go. Um, and then, of course, New Zealand on Sunday and the Breakers gave the Sixers a, a nice little touch-up not too long ago. What did you learn from that last encounter? Oh, yeah, look, we owe, we owe them owe them one yeah. for sure. They came in and kicked, kicked their ass on our home court, to be honest. So, um, look, uh, kind of different different games. Uh, Melbourne's going to obviously play a lot through Chris Golding and Xavier Rattan Mays. They've got, that's sort of where they really you know, generate their offence from. Um, and they've got big Isaac Humphreys in the middle, whereas New Zealand, you know, a lot of ball movement, lots of pick and roll um, offence. So, you know, we've got a, the area... For our group is at the defensive end of the floor. You know that, that's where we've got the biggest biggest space to grow. So um, that's what we're you know aiming to achieve is improvements at the defensive end of the floor to you know to, to help us get out and run run the ball a bit more and uh, play a bit more exciting basketball. Mate, from a personal point of view, you've had such a long, extensive history in coaching and and bits and pieces from everywhere, from stints over New Zealand to the Bulls to the Taipans, the Wildcats, and experience with the Australian Boomers. Um, where do you see the 36s in terms of their progression as a side, facility-wise, and for a town that's um, starting to fall in love again with basketball? 
Mate, I'm, in, I'm impressed with the research. Uh, thank you. Um, I, I love our team. Um, I think our group, uh, you know, from off the, the off-court team that's really been building, um, it's a proud club, uh, as you know. The, the club's, um, you know, got a lot of amazing history and high expectation. Uh, the fans, uh, you know, being on the opposition teams for, for over a decade, you always heard that stuff about the team, uh, the you know, the fans being an educated group, they appreciate good basketball. And uh, we, um, you know, we haven't played our best basketball, particularly at home. Um, so that's something that, you know, we want to reward our fans. The talent that we have in our locker room, um, you know, it's exciting. I really like our roster. Um, you know, we've got size, we've got athleticism. Um, we just haven't consistently put it together yet. Um, you know, the chemistry and the guys really clicking and, you know, that's on us as coaches and the playing group to really keep working hard to, to make that happen. So, But overall, I'm excited and I really believe we've got a, a good group and we can do something special this year. Oh, good stuff, mate. So we're looking forward to the 36ers putting together a couple of big wins and uh, yeah, love it when you guys are up and about. The whole city is up and about and right behind you. So good luck in the next couple of games and hopefully we'll speak to you again really soon. No, no worries. Thanks for having me. McDowner, Adelaide 36 as assistant coach joining us this morning and... Look, it's, um, it's a new little era inside a season for the 36 post Craig Randall. And we saw glimpses of it at certain stages. We saw them play such really nice team basketball against Illawarra a couple of weeks ago. And I think this is a blessing in disguise. And not because that's not a knock on Craig Randall, but when you're so heavily focused on someone um, putting in such an offensive load and you spread the love, there are some good, solid scoring options. Cleveland, Antonis Cleveland, is an absolute gun. Robert Franks is a gun as well. DJ is not slowing down anytime soon. So spread around just a little bit more and offensively, I just sort of feel like the 36ers could get even better. Yeah, I reckon you're spot on and you just become a lot more unpredictable, don't you? So teams can't scout you as hard as, as or as easy as they as they would have if they know it, it, most things are going through Randall. So uh, there's a big couple of games for the 36ers just to stay in touch with the top five or six. So uh, we're in the second half of the, the standings at the moment. So uh, need to win both or at least split this uh, little road trip. Mm. Uh, this text on 0427 uh, another good one from Brady said, oh my goodness, the Corns family are blessed. Uh, family with a lot of talent, but smooth, sweet pipes for singing were left off the blessing list. Kane and Graham's singing voices sound like hairy men resting on the ground whilst yelling at each other. <laughs> Graham, not a big fan of that. You dickhead. Yeah, but uh, look, it, it's, I mean, it, it sounds about right. I want to know what love is. That sounds like two I hairy men. I want you to show me. Just wrestling on the ground. You dickhead. Yelling at each other. <laughs> <laughs> Keep those good decks coming through. 0427 We're going to speak to Talia McGrath from the Adelaide Strikers. She's the WBBL captain. Uh, we'll speak to her next. And we will do it thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrances this Christmas. Montane Kia at Cheltenham and Mount Barker for immediate delivery on class-leading Kia vehicles. Tire Power, here to help you stay safe on the road. Breakfast with Andrew Hayes and Bryce Gibbs. I'm better than ever. I'm looking at yep, you. still time to give us a text. 0427 Time now to talk about WBBL and in particular the Strikers. are Going on pretty nicely. Need to hopefully win the last couple of games and lock up a spot in the all-important top two. Time now to speak to one of the best players, not just for the Strikers, but in the country. And that is the skipper of the Strikers, Talia McGrath. Good morning to you, Talia. 
Good morning. Thanks for having me. What an intro. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. We got through. I mean, I could sit here and roll off all your accolades all day, but we've only got a limited amount of time with you, so we'll get into it. Um, take us through the weekend's results. Um, I'm just in terms of the weather, there's not much you can do about that. What is confusing, Tali, for those who didn't watch the game, is um, the game a couple of days ago, you look via the cricket app and it says that you guys both played in 16 overs, yet you've got more runs, yet you lose. Um, it's a little bit confusing. It is a bit confusing. It's an even harder one to sort of explain. But, yeah, it was a disappointing weekend for us. Um, lost two and had one uh, rained out against the Thunder. But, yeah, the one that we sort of started with a 19-over game against the Heat uh, got reduced to 16. So they got a few extra runs on the old Duckworth-Lewis. And um, in the end, I think we sold two runs short. Um, Darcy Brown tried to hit a six on the last ball and got caught. So, unfortunately, we um, yeah just finished short against the Heat. So, Tali, what is the scenario you need to to finish in the top two? Is it as simple as just winning the next two games or do you need to rely on some other results as well? Uh, we've got to win the next two games um, and we've got to win them quite well. Uh, other results will certainly help. Uh, the Scorchers and the, the Hurricanes are quite close on points with us, but um, if we win well and get some good percentage, that, that might be enough to just get us through. But... From here, it's looking like we need to win five games in a row with, with some, some finals games if we're going to win the thing altogether. So we're ready for that and I'm um, excited to play some cricket. Right, we're right behind you. And obviously, you've got some unfinished business from last season in the WBBL. Um, who's impressed you personally in terms of some of your teammates who have really stood up? Uh, I think the most pleasing thing for me is someone different stood up um, every game. But if I'm going to pinpoint two, I, I can't go past our, our strength all year has been our bowling and I can't go past Megan Shoot and Darcy Brown. They they lead our attack and um, whenever we're in trouble, I sort of throw the ball to them and, and they, they make something happen. So um, they've been amazing for us this year. So Megan Shoot, just an absolute star and has been for a long time. So she's doing what we expect her to do. Um, I'm fascinated with Darcy Brown and just how good she can be and the improvement that she's still got in her because she's so young. The future looks so bright for Darcy. Yeah, she's still so young and I think we forget how young she is because she's sort of announced herself on the international stage and she's dominated the last three big bashes and um, every year she's gone from strength to strength. To strength. She's one of the quickest bowlers in the world and, and people fear facing her. So um, I love that fear factor with someone, a weapon like that on your team and yeah, she's going to be a, a real weapon of ours for years to come. Uh, and what about you, Talia? How, do you, how have you found your form uh, in recent matches? Uh, pretty disappointing, to be fair. Um, my my back sort of kept me out with the ball, but with the bat, I've had a few starts not going on with it. So as a team, we haven't batted well enough, and I'll put my hand up and say that I'm part of that and not batting well enough. And if we're going to play finals cricket, we need to get that right. So um, it, we're not far off. We're showing signs. It's just putting that complete game together. So, Tyler, can you take us through your back injury? I know you missed a game not too long ago with back spasms. Um is this something that's been brewing for a while? And I suppose that the key element would be rest, but how do you manage such an issue? Yeah, it's a tough one. It's um, sort of popped up two weeks ago and it's not something I've had before. And um, rest is basically all you can do, but you can't do that in a major tournament. So, um, yeah, for me, I, it's it's taking a little bit longer than I would have liked, but um, I think I'm almost back to start bowling again and um, certainly got a try and get myself right for some finals, but also um, some Aussie stuff coming up as well. So um, I'm looking to get myself in the best shape possible. 
last year's result in the WBBL. How much uh, does that drive you guys? And is it something that you've focused on at all? Or can you just genuinely delete last year's results? Uh, yeah, it's a tough one. We, we've lost two grand finals in the last three years. so And our squad's basically stayed the same. So a lot of the girls have been through that pain and, and really want to experience winning winning the title. So it's not something we've spoken about, but it's in the back of everyone's mind. And um, Yeah, we want to be there in the final. We want to be holding that trophy at the end. You're an absolute gun. And no doubt, if you're not happy with your form, you'll be able to turn around nice and quick right at the most important time of the season. Um, Talia, appreciate your time this morning and good luck as we head to the pointy end of the season. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Talia McGrath joining us this morning. And just to give you a bit of a heads up, Gibbsy, on how this whole system works, can be confusing. So the top-ranked team at the end of the 56-game regular season will directly progress to and host the final on November 26. The teams finishing third and fourth will meet in the Eliminator. That's on Wednesday, November 23, with the winner to play the second-ranked team in the Challenger on Thursday, November 24, for a spot in the final. Both the Eliminator and the Challenger will be played at the home of the second-placed team. So there you go. I mean, um, in Talia's words as well, last two games, win and win big. Thanks for clearing that up for me. Uh, uh, clear as mud. It was uh, a little bit confusing how it played out. but Now uh, repeat it back to that's me. <laughs> crystal, that's crystal clear. Um, yeah, so she's Talia's obviously pretty determined to, to finish off the year on, uh, on a big note. And, uh, yeah, win two games, win them well, and we'll find ourselves in the top two. And a couple of losses in previous grand finals as well means that, look, it would seem for the strikers the only suitable result is to win it all this year. Certainly, and uh, back spasms too. They're they're not good. Oh, you've had they're one. Not handy. Oh, oh, you used to get them all. Oh, I still really get them regularly. Yeah, you need a nice hot bath, Radox hot bath. So what happens? You, your back just seizes up. Oh, just it could. It could I've done. Uh, I had a back spasm sneezing once. Really? Yeah. They can when they go, they go. Wow. Okay. Just need to calm down with your sneezing. Got to get horizontal. A few Norflex. What about with what about bath. what about when you have back spasms though? Get, get the bath. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, back next to wrap it all up. Thanks to Tire Power. Great race sale is on right now. Time 19 degrees. Are you right there? <laughs> 19 degrees across Adelaide today. It's going to be cloudy. Let's get horizontal. Montan Kia at Cheltenham and Mount Barker for immediate delivery on class-leading Kia vehicles. Tire Power, here to help you stay safe on the road. Breakfast with Andrew Hayes and Bryce Gibbs. Well, good morning. That was quite abrupt, wasn't it? 0427 154 166 is the text line this morning. Jeez, we've had a lot of fun as well. A lot of good texts coming through, Gipsy. Uh, this one as well from our good friend Callum. He said, big ups to the Sixers on the City jersey. Love it when they put out the City jersey edition jerseys. Um, look very, very good. He said, best one yet. You woke up 40 today and it's not that bad. You 40, Callum. Wow. A few birthdays today. I thought you were 55. Happy birthday, Callum. <laughs> Happy birthday, and happy birthday as well to Dave, um, who sent through some very good texts this morning. So he's going to win the Signet Boost Power Bank. Very deserved little winner. Valued at fifty nine ninety five, a Signet Boost Power Bank will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered twenty four seven. Big day for you today, is it? Lot on. It is, but Wednesday is usually traditionally a busy day. Mm. But uh, that's all right. We'll keep powering through. Nah, no time for sleep. Back first thing tomorrow morning from six. See you then. All right. Speak Catch you then. then. Enjoy the weather today. Top of 19 across Adelaide today. Stick around to some fine programming on SENSA.
Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.